Morning, home church. Where did spring go? <laughs> it's just like Oklahoma, right? We go from winter right into summer, and uh, it's great to be an Oklahoman. Amen. <laughs> so I'm on week three of my series called Common to Man, and I'm really excited about this one. This is going to wrap everything up that I've been talking about. And as I've said before, you know, my purpose as being your pastor is to deliver the word of God. And sometimes that requires me getting up in our business. Does that make sense? And today we're going to get up into our business a little bit. As we're going to talk about that temptation to sin. And what does that look like? And, and how do we overcome that temptation so that we do not sin? And I don't want to get religious here. But what I do want to do is focus on the relationship that we have with Jesus. That is the number one most important thing. That once we become a believer, we develop and cultivate that relationship. And so the desire to overcome t temptation not to sin is because you have that close relationship with him. It's not about a list of do's and don'ts and getting all religious. It's about us having that close, tight relationship with him so that we don't sin. That's why we don't want to sin. Amen? So Paul sets it up this way. He sets it up in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 12. He actually warns us. He's talking about the Israelites and how they, they were delivered out of slavery from Egypt and how they went through the wilderness time frame and they kept on messing up. They kept on sinning. And if you remember what I said the first week of my series, I said that sin basically is replacing God with something else. We're saying we don't believe that Jesus is Lord of my life, that he won't provide for my needs, and instead I'm going to go ahead and look for my own way to fulfill my own needs. And essentially I'm replacing his lordship with lordship over my own life, if that makes sense. So what Paul says to warn us, he says, therefore, lest anyone who thinks that he stands take heed, lest he falls. And I think for a lot of us in here that have been believers for a long time, sometimes we think that we're all good. That we got this following Jesus thing in the bag, right? And that every day we're getting brighter and brighter. And I think sometimes there's a little bit of pride that comes in with that. And when pride comes in, then you fall. The pride comes before the fall. And I love this because Paul gives us that warning and then he explains what we can do once that temptation comes. And this is what he says. In verse 13, this is the foundation of what we're, I've been teaching on the last three weeks, or two weeks. He says, no temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. And temptation, if you remember, temptation to sin comes from the devil. Not from God, but from the devil. And that temptation is a test. It is to try you, it's to prove you, to see if you're really going to stand for Jesus. To see if your witness is going to take the hit if you will. That temptation will eventually, as Paul says here, will overtake you. It will. We're all going to sin. The Bible says, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And there is a reason why also that we have 1 John 1, 9, that when we sin, we can go to God, we can confess our sins, and he will be faithful to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. So sin will eventually overtake us. And it is common it is common. What, what is uncommon to man is the fact that we take a stand and we successfully overcome that temptation. And it brings me to a, a, a passage that I remember, and I'll just say this from, from the top of my head. 
where Peter got that vision from God to go and preach the gospel to the Gentiles. Remember, Peter said, well, these things are unclean and they're common. And he didn't realize what God was saying to him was, go preach the gospel to the Gentiles and what I have made clean is not common. So because we're in Christ, for those of us that have accepted him, that believe in him, we're really not common. We're supposed to be uncommon because he's made us clean. And that witness is supposed to shine through to the world around us. That is why we don't belong with the rest of the world, that we're in the world but not of the world, right? That's the reason why Jesus gave us his light to shine to other people is because we're not supposed to blend in with the rest of the world. So hence, we're not supposed to be common. We're supposed to be uncommon. He goes on to say, God is faithful and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. And this is great because what we're seeing here in this part of this verse is the fact that God does allow temptation to come into our life. But he won't let it go past the point where we're not able to overcome it. And what I said last week is our ability is not trying to overcome it in our own strength. Our ability comes from the simple fact that we have the free will to choose Jesus. That whenever that temptation comes, we can say, Lord, I go to you. Here's this attack. I can't take it on my own. But what I am able to do is to come to you. That's the decision that I make. And then the last part of this verse, Paul goes on and says, but with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape, praise God, that you may be able to endure it. And this is the phrase that we're gonna focus on today, that enduring. The endurance is important for us to understand because that word means that, that it's not just a one and done deal. That as things are coming at us, that temptation to sin is coming at us, we're gonna have to endure it for as long as we're on this earth. And that it will end whether we die to be with Jesus or he comes back for the church. That's when that, that endurance will end because we'll be with him. We're not gonna need that endurance anymore, amen. But as we're walking and following him, the devil is gonna try to take us out. And as I told you last week, the one thing he wants to do is to take out our witness. That's the number one thing that we're already good, the war's already won, we're already believers, we belong to Jesus, we have eternal life with him, but the battles are not gonna end. And that battle is for our witness. He wants people to look at us and say, you're no different, instead of saying, there's something different about you. And that's where the war and the battle is right now for our very souls. So if you remember what I said over the last couple of weeks, There is nothing more powerful. If you want to experience that resurrection power, it's being able to draw from God that grace to be able to stand against that temptation to sin. There's nothing more powerful than that. And there's nothing that will bring you more closer to God, more closer to Jesus than being able to overcome that temptation. Because as we're learning is our relationship is a direct reflection on whether or not we can overcome that temptation. The closer we are to God, the better we are to be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. And with that, I wanna pray. Father, I just wanna thank you with everybody that's in here today. I just thank you for no matter where we're at in our life, this is not about religion. This is about our relationship with you. That no matter where we are in life, you love us. You want the best for us. You want us to understand the price that your son paid for us so that we can overcome and be victorious in every area of our life. 
And Father, I just thank you that as we listen to your word today, that you will open our hearts up to receive, open our ears to hear what it is that you want us to know today. And we thank you for your word. We thank you for your love. We thank you for your direction. And we also thank you for your correction. And today, we just pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So if you want to turn to James chapter 4, that's where I'm going to be for the majority of the time this morning. James chapter 4. There is a lot of passages that I could have gone to to talk about how God gives us the way of escape and how we're supposed to endure temptation. But I really feel like he has led me to this passage in James chapter 4. And I love this because James, who was thought to be the brother of Jesus, wrote this, and the very first 10 verses of this chapter, we're going to see kind of the Holy Spirit, divine inspiration of his thinking, the, the pathway that he wants to take us from that moment that we receive temptation to how we can overcome it and endure it and not sin. And I love his language and what he, what, how he writes this. You're going to see in the first five verses of this, this section that I'm going to read this morning, basically some tough love. And how many of us need a little bit of tough love? <laughs> you know, oh, wow, there are some of you that don't mind that. That's good. That's good. Sometimes love is, love is tough, amen? So he's going to give us a little bit of tough love in the first five verses. And then the next five verses that I'm going to go through after that, he's going to lead us through the plan of how we can endure the temptation to sin. And, and it's going to give us some encouragement because I don't want to leave on a, on a note of, of being kind of beaten up a little bit. I do want to leave on an encouraging note. This is what he says, beginning in verse 1, he says, what causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? That phrase, that war within you, there's that temptation. You're warring within yourself when temptation comes knocking on your door. And what we're going to find out here is that war as I said, is designed to kill, steal, and destroy your witness. You return to me to Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5, if I can find it. Galatians 5, 17 says this. For the desires of the flesh are against the spirit, and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. Those are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things that you want to do. So you have this war within you. It's the flesh that opposes the new creation that's in you. And they're basically war with each other. It's never ending, and it's never going to stop. And I, I like to quote Sun Tzu. Sun Tzu is an ancient Chinese strategist, and this is what he said. He said that if you're going against your enemy, you target their weaknesses and not their strengths. Our weaknesses are the targets of the enemy. He wants us to experience this temptation against us to undermine our weaknesses to take us out. And that's that war that you have within you. It's the war against 
the spirit that's in us, our flesh. And so he even quotes, James quotes this going on in the remainder of, of, of this verse. If you go to verse two, what he says is basically the clue of who we're at war with. I think we focus a lot on the devil. That's part of the equation, is that temptation that's coming at us, that fiery dart. But we're also at war with ourselves. James says this, you desire and do not have, so you murder. You cover and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. This is our flesh right here. You're at war with yourself it's just as much as you're at war with the devil because it takes two to tango, amen? Temptation is present, presented to you by the devil, then your flesh decides it's going to go ahead and sin. It's a two-headed monster that we have to slay, essentially. And what I love about this section of, of the passage, I really don't love it, but what it's saying here is you desire, and because you don't have it, then you murder. You covet, and you cannot obtain it, so you fight and quarrel. All right? He starts out with what causes quarrels and what causes fights among you. Like, our sin that we deal with this on a personal note, affects those that are around us as well. You wanna know why there's wars in this world? You wanna know why God gets the blame for the bad things that happen in this world? It's because individually we're sinning and it combines to the, all this stuff that happens that blows up around, around the world. There's a reason why nations go to na war with nations, why wars happen, why rumors happen, why gossip happens, why churches fall is because one person starts to sin and it spreads like wildfire. The enemy is very crafty, very crafty. So the thing that I wanna hammer on is how can we individually stop from that fire spreading across the body of Christ? And it boils down to one thing. It's a fruit of the spirit, it's called self-control. Self, control. We have that. One of the phrases that I hate in life, I've even said it, and I hate it. That phrase is, I have no control in my life. How many of us have said that? I have, I have no control in my life. The things that are coming at me, things that I'm going through, I have absolutely no control over it. And you wanna know something? We exercise a lot of control in our lives every day. When that alarm goes off in the morning, how many of us hit snooze? You just exercise some control in your life. Gave yourself some nine minutes to sleep. Nine minutes to put pause on the day, right? There's some control. Driving, did you press the brake pedal? Did you press the acceleration pedal? right? There's some controls. You choose the radio stations you're going to listen to or your music on your phone. You exercise some control and something that I love to do every night with Lisa, we like to watch TV and so what do you think I pick up? The remote control. <laughs> and thankfully there's no fighting over it in my house. It's usually I'm the one that picks it up. I have control. There... <laughs> But little, very little control that I have in the house, right, sweetheart? 
So self-control. We have more control than we give ourselves credit for. He says in verse 3, he says, you ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your own passions. Little segue here, if you ever wonder why your prayers are not answered, it's because it's you-centered. It's okay to ask God of things, but if we ask with the wrong motive, like what is the reason, can I just say something real quick? I've been dealing with a lot of pain in my life. Some of you know that, I've said that before in here, I don't wanna belabor it, I don't wanna, woe is me, this is not what it's about. You know, and, and I, I ask God to take that pain away, and, and usually it's because I just wanna be comfortable. I wanna go back to who I was and not experience any pain. But what I've learned is that's not what it's about. Like, I want the pain to be taken away so that I can be more effective when I preach the gospel. So I can be more effective to lead people to healing themselves. Does that make sense? My motivation to receive healing is not so that I can be better. Yes, I want to be better. Yes, my flesh is crying out for that healing, but ultimately, what's the basis for my prayer? Is it me-centered or is it God-centered? And see, what, he's, what James is saying here is that everybody's so self-centered on their desires and the passions of the flesh that when they pray, God is not hearing them because their motives is not correct. It's not about his kingdom, it's all about you. And what he's saying here is God's not hearing you. So here we are, we're sinners. We're going after the passions of our flesh and how does that affect our relationship with Jesus? James writes in verse four, you adulterous people. Man, that's, that's some tough words right there. You adulterous people. Do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore whoever, therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. That is some strong word. That's a tough love I was talking about, right? Like when we choose to sin and give into that temptation, now we have lumped in with the world. Now essentially we're saying we're friends with the world. And what we're also saying is we're declaring war in God. And that's some tough stuff. Like that'll make you think the next time you decide that you want to go ahead and give into that temptation to sin. When I make that decision, now all of a sudden I'm being brought into the friendship with the world and I'm separating myself from God in the sense that I'm basically hostile towards him. That enmity means you're taking a hostile action towards somebody. And what James is saying here is basically you're committing spiritual adultery. And see, that gets confused with human adultery. Like if a spouse commits adultery in a marriage, <laughs> here's another segue. If that happens, it takes two to get to that point. If one commits adultery, the other in that relationship help that along. Just saying. But with God, when we commit adultery, God did absolutely nothing wrong. It's all in us. It's worse. I'm responsible for that. And what I'm saying is that my relationship with you is not that important. What I want is more important than my relationship with you. And that separation, like I said, sin is separation from God. 
there is your adultery. So James is really setting the table for, oh my gosh, right? Like, this is not very encouraging the first five verses of this passage that we're going through today. He says in verse five, or do you suppose it is not no purpose that the scripture says he yearns jealousy over the spirit that he has made to dwell in us. Our God is a jealous God. He wants all of us. Man, there are different areas of my life that temptation comes. And sometimes it's very easy as we go through life to say, well, I'm just doing a little bit over here and I'm good 99% of the time. No, God wants all of us, 100%. And that's the thing is we can't earn our way into heaven. That's why the, the enemy is so good at, at telling people that if you're a good person, you'll go to heaven. Nobody's good. Not me, not you, nobody is good. In order to get into heaven, we need 100%. We need to be like Jesus, never sin. Unfortunately, we're born into sin, and then as we live our life, we sin. Nobody's perfect but Jesus. That's the reason why God is jealous for 100% of us. He wants us all in. He is jealous. And I love that. You know, what this all says is that when we receive Jesus, we have a really strong relationship with him right off the bat. Like, we're one with him. Remember I talked about that, that oneness with God. And then we're supposed to walk in the fullness of God as well. But the fact that, that James uses these words, adulterous, jealousy, this is, this is really a marriage between us and God through Jesus, that oneness. It's a very strong way of saying that this is all about relationship and it's not about religion. So are we ready for some encouragement? Verse five, but he gives more grace. You may have these desires, these temptations. You may have stumbled and fallen in sin. And you may be classified, as, as the Bible says, as being a friend of the world and an enmity with God. But God gives us more grace. That grace trumps everything we just talked about the opportunity to approach the throne of grace like we talked about last week. And what is that grace? Man, that grace that he gives us is the wisdom and the power to be able to overcome that temptation. He gives more grace. Therefore, it says, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. This is us admitting that we can't do it. I can't overcome all the temptation on my own. I can't do that. It's humanly impossible. It's me saying, Lord, I need your help. There is the ability I talked about last week. That's the humility that God wants to see. He loves that. And I know that's so hard for us, especially as Americans, to be humble. It's so hard to be humble and admit 
that you need help. Man, that is the first step in letting Jesus in. Man, you heard, you heard what Pastor Justin said up here during, um, after worship, right before offering. He said, let Jesus come in and make that defense for you. It's hard for us to admit that we need help, but that's the first step in achieving victory in God's eyes. He opposes the proud, it gives grace to the humble. So the longer that you're sitting there saying, I can handle the sin that I'm dealing with, I can handle this temptation that's coming at me, then the more you're gonna be dealing with it on your own. But once you say, I can't do it anymore, Lord, I need your help, here comes the grace. Here comes the grace. Well, how do we do that? How are we humble? How do we receive the grace? James says in verse seven, he says, submit yourselves therefore to God. There you go. That submission word also is not very popular in today. Today's world, they hate that word submission. Because no, I'm my own self. I make my own choices. I lead my own life. I make my own path. I can declare who I want to be. I can declare anything I want whether I'm a human or an animal, whether I'm a male or a female, I make the decision to do all that and that's okay with the world, but that's not okay with God. He wants us to submit to him. That's called, Jesus, you're the Lord of my life. That's submission. Like that is step one of overcoming temptation to sin. And every one of us in here that is in Christ, that's a believer in Jesus, You've already done that. You can check that box. I submit to Jesus. He is, he's my king, not the one that was coronated yesterday. No, Jesus is my king. There is no worldly king in my eyes. There is nothing that has any hold over me whatsoever. I decide and I've made and asked him to be my king. That's the one thing I can decide on and I submit my heart to him and because of that you watch him move in your life you're not where you are by accident right now you're exactly where you're supposed to be if you really know that he is your king he is your lord and absolutely he is your savior then how do I do that well he says here resist the devil resist the devil resist. Does it say defeat the devil? No, it says resist the devil. That temptation comes, you know. You, everyone in here knows what it feels like when that temptation comes. So if I'm submitted to God and I know I can go to him for help, that's humbling myself, then here comes the devil. I feel that temptation. Now I need to resist the devil. I need to resist him. The problem is, I think especially in the word of faith movement, I feel like we can stand toe to toe with the devil and win. That's not true. Yes, I have authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and all the powers of the enemy that will not harm me. Absolutely. Yes, I have the shield of faith that quenches every fiery dart of the wicked one, wicked one, absolutely. Yes, I can stand and I can resist but I think what happens is we think we can do it in our own ability. And we can't. 
so the resistance is not me just standing here toe to toe and throwing the word at the devil. That's not where the resistance is gonna be successful. So where is it? Where is the success? James says, and he will flee from you. My resistance is not to stand toe to toe. My resistance actually is to flee. And he will flee. I'm supposed to flee. I flee the temptation. And what happens? Verse six, I draw near to God. The temptation comes. I resist the devil by fleeing and drawing near to God. That's how I resist the devil. I don't try to stand toe to toe with him. Instead, I make the decision to go right to God himself. Draw near to God and he will what? Draw near to you. So now it's a partnership. Now it's not me standing toe to toe with the devil. Now it's me and Jesus standing toe to toe with the devil. That's how I can overcome that attack and that temptation. Draw near to him and he will draw near to you. As we draw near to him, there's two things we can do. The very first thing, if we have fallen into that temptation and we've sinned, we can cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be wretched and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. This is the resentment. I resent my sin. I hate it. It's hurting my relationship with God. I mourn it. It should make you feel really ick, not in a way of just, oh, I sin, please forgive me, Jesus. No, he says here, mourning. It's a very powerful thing. In marriage, when someone has committed adultery against somebody, there is a mourning period for that. The same thing here with our relationship with God. Like that mourning is designed for us to feel the weight of what we just did. And what that does is that should tell us, I don't ever want to do that again. And what he's saying here is, there is fun. I know some of the things that we're tempted to do, there's fun in doing them. They satisfy the flesh. And there is that moment of joy and that elation to having your fun. But then when that's over, what happens? Here comes the guilt, here comes the shame. The devil likes to have you rub your nose in it. And that is not necessarily mourning. That is some regret. But the mourning part is saying, Lord, I don't ever want to do that again. I mourn over it. So he says that we need to do that. Verse 10. He said, humble yourself before the Lord and he will exalt you. Humble yourself before the Lord and he will exalt you. I think one of the biggest things that stonewalls us from going to Jesus is pride. And that's why we fall. The test comes 
And the ability that we have, the only ability is to choose to go to Jesus and humble ourselves. When we humble ourselves, then what James is saying at the end is he will exalt us. He will give us the strength to overcome. Exalting does not mean that he's gonna glorify you or put you on a pedestal. That humility, when the temptation comes to sin, that humility to go to him and say, I can't do it, then the power comes to overcome that sin. The grace comes to overcome that sin. And what I like to think of it is this way. Whenever temptation comes, what I've learned is to hit the spiritual snooze button. Give me some time. I've recognized my own life when, when temptation comes, I have time. Like God will grace me. If I just go to him, it buys me some time. Time to make a decision whether I want to give into the flesh or give into the spirit. As the flesh opposes the spirit, what am I going to choose? Am I going to choose the flesh and have its day, or am I going to choose the Holy Spirit and then have his day to where I win over that temptation? It's almost like the Matrix. Have you ever seen that movie? When Mr. Anderson fires those bullets, I'm sorry, Mr. Smith fires those bullets at Neo, who is Mr. Anderson, and it slows down time and those bullets are like floating in the air and they're able to either dodge or deflect them. This is what it's like. As soon as temptation comes, by taking the moment to pause and to pray, go to God, then all of a sudden that grace comes as he comes near you, as you draw near to him, to overcome that sin. Gives you an opportunity to make a decision. So our ability is to choose to go to him. That's the way of escape, is to the throne room of Jesus. We have access to his throne room every second of the day. The endurance is as we go to him, is that ability for God to give us that power, that grace to make another decision. That decision is to not to sin. That's that exalting. That's where we need to be.